When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey player. I idolized Dominic Kaczyk. I played goalie because of Dominic Kaczyk. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as the team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry, I'll hang up and listen, I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! Welcome, everybody, to episode 148 of Two Goalies, One Mike, brought to you by Fatty Beer Company, Western New York's premier market and tap room with eight different Western New York locations and over 300 beers to choose from, and one of the only kid and dog-friendly bars in all of Western New York, open 11.30 a.m. till 10.30 p.m. and later, seven days a week. And let's not forget Buffalo Logo Apparel, one of the best places to get all of your Buffalo apparel needs from your shirts, your hats, your hoodies for all three of your major sports, uh, Buffalo sports teams from the Sabres, the Bills, the Bison, or Sabres, Bills, Bandits, and yeah, the Bisons. Uh, make sure you go check out at Buffalo Logo Co. on Instagram and Twitter, at Fatty Beer on Instagram and Twitter. Join us today, uh, second time guest, uh, one of my favorite guests, and one of the more uh, honest, opinionated, polarizing figures in all of Buffalo media, Mike Harrington, live. From Montreal, Mike. Thank you again for uh, joining us. Uh, as you in taking the time, obviously uh, while you're in, you know, Montreal. Oh, you, I, you were muted there, man. I got you now. We got you. Good evening. Um, yeah, I would say, what's going on? Not much going <laughs> on on my end, you know. <laughs> Thanks for having me, but uh, yeah, we're here in Montreal. The Sabers play the Canadians tomorrow night, and let me tell you guys, the Bell Center is a place every hockey fan must have on their bucket list for some time in their life. It is it is a cathedral of hockey. So much history there. I've been to um I've been to a couple arenas most recently, the T D Garden. I wasn't there for a hockey game. I was actually there for uh, the last UFC fight they had there for uh, I was invited through work. Uh, but the atmosphere, just the setup they have there was electric. I've seen the Bobby Orr statue, so much history. I've been to, uh, well, it's now, um, what's LA's arena called? There used to be the Staples. Crypto.com. Crypto, yeah. Not for long, though. It's not right. about here in LA. It's not going to be Crypto.com arena for long. But, yeah. Um, I, I have a question, quick question about Bell Center, Mike. Given the Canadians, uh, I guess, recent downturn, is it still sold out? Every time you're there, is it still as raucous as it used to be? Yeah, it is an event every time I'm there. Um, it's still packed. It's one of those things where I think it's always going to be packed. 
no matter what kind of downturn the Canadians might be in. And they're hoping to be in a rebuild right now with Mark Martin Saint-Louis behind the bench that'll get them out of where they are. But, yeah, you, you actually sit in the press box. It's a hanging gondola. And behind you are the top rows of seats. So you can turn around, stand, and look behind you and see all the fans in the top rows, and there's no empty seats up there. Unlike unlike the uh, the Key Bank Center, where it's much 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 different. <laughs> um, I've, uh, yeah, that's there. There is again been a bucket list for me. Um, I mean, not even just. I mean, I'm sure I know you're a big baseball guy too. There's a lot of ballparks, a lot of arenas, a lot of stadiums I'd like to go to. But uh, the Bell Center is really right at the top of the list, and just just for the culture there and the atmosphere, just just of the city. Every every time you you talk to any like you know Andrew Peter says it a lot. It's always been one of his favorite cities to go play in was was Montreal. The noise is electric. The anthem is electric. You know, and I'm always struck when I walk in the building. I just do this the first ten minutes I'm in the building. I'm always looking up at the banners because there's so many things to see up there, including a banner honoring the Montreal Expos is in the Bell Center. How much would we like to see a banner honoring the Buffalo Braves in KeyBank Center? But I would appear to think that's never going to happen. It's weird that there isn't. It really is. I, I will say this. I think, didn't Adam Silver just announce they look to expand and add two more expansion teams, Connor? Yeah, Pretty much indicated that, yeah, yeah, which I assume means Seattle and Vegas. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be Buffalo, but, you know, no. you can always be optimistic if, if you want to be. It won't no. be. I can tell you that pretty confidently. Yeah. It's definitely going to be Seattle. I know that for sure. Yeah, Seattle uh, for sure. And as a Clippers fan out here, obviously the Braves became the Clippers. They don't. They haven't honored them either, aside from wearing the jerseys recently. So they did wear the jerseys in the yeah. 50th anniversary yeah. year. And I actually were, saw. I saw the jerseys. I went to a game in Cleveland where they were wearing the jerseys. Yeah, let me tell you something. It was. It's, it it's was, kind of what's made me become a Clipper fan. But they're building, they're building the new arena out here which I think is opening next next year, which is going to be unbelievable. But that'd be pretty cool if they were able, able to honor the Braves in another fashion too. So you want to get into it, Dwayne? Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of jerseys, I did want to say this real quick. Uh, me and Mike first started ga- engaging each other because of jerseys. He, he happened to send me a picture of a pretty terrible knockoff jersey. Well, before I show this one, Mike, you'll, you'll pre- maybe you'll appreciate it. Before I'll preemptively say this belonged to my grandfather. This was during the slug era. And we tried really hard to let him let for him to let us buy him a new jersey, but he loved this jersey so much he wouldn't he wouldn't allow it, so we just accepted it. Look at this one. <laughs> look at look how bad that yellow is and how shiny it is. Yeah, yeah pretty bad. Is the, is, the, is the slug big enough in that front of that jersey there? <laughs> I, wish right. it, I wish it were so, bigger. The slug it's, only brings back good memories for me. Oh yeah, but you know what? It's he loved the jersey. He loved watching Max. You know, he loved he loved how shifty he was and how funny he was to watch. So we just let it we just let it be. You know, we tried we tried so hard to let him get us a different jersey, uh, but he wouldn't have it. So, uh, but yeah, let's getting right into it, Mike. Um, Sabers lose uh, four to three uh, in a matinee matchup that I almost forgot about myself uh, to the Anaheim Ducks. Losing the season series, they they played for all intents and purposes, you know, a good game. They outshot them by a lot, a lot more shot attempts, but they couldn't figure out John Gibson. You could say that puck was in uh, by Tage Thompson. A lot of people seem to think it was. 
Um, unfortunately, they just dropped the puck right away without even looking at it. Uh, but, you know, again, a team at the bottom of the standings that you should beat, that on paper you sh- you are more talented than. Um, and a game where you could say UPL didn't play a good game, but at some point you got to have to lift your goalie up for the amount of times he lifts you up. Uh, your thoughts on that loss? Uh, you know, we and Connor before we went live here before you 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 came on, we were talking about your your latest article after that game, um, and I'll let Connor take over from there. But just your thoughts on that loss, and you know, where to you go? Know, the frustration, excuse me, of that loss is like you said. <clears throat> excuse me, you cannot lose a game twice to the Anaheim Ducks. That's the first thing. But the second thing is they had seventy shot attempts. You can't lose when the other team is. No, but you out. can't. You UPL didn't have a great game, but you're right. Pick him up. There's your there's your day when UPL is a little off. Score five goals. Um, Thompson had a goal. Had a, several other chances. Paterka had chances. Guys didn't put the puck in the net. Gibson was good. Uh, Dwayne, the one part on, on Thompson's uh, near goal, there wasn't a great angle on there, and the league does review those kind of plays, and there was no angle from the top. The crossbar cam didn't show any space with the puck over the line. So you and I agree the puck was probably in, but well, unfortunately you can't, you can't see it that it's in. You can't. You're not allowed to use common sense, right? When you're you not allowed to use common sense. I mean, uh, the the real question is why is there not puck tracking like there is VAR in soccer? Right. Why can't well, we just should be. why why can't we just determine whether the puck was in or not? Well, they've started. They I think it was in preseason two years ago. They started to put uh, sensors in the pucks. And the players didn't like them because they clearly changed the feel of the puck. The puck was heavier, and they, they did away with it at the time. So they still have to work on the technology end of it. Um, I think the crossbar cam really helps. You know, there's something called if you your geometry majors out there would understand the parallax view. Sometimes these things are optical illusions. Um but I'm still just shaking my head about all this stuff when you think of they lost to the Anaheim Ducks twice. And I know I even wrote it in the paper today how schizophrenic the Ducks are and how they have a lot of good wins, believe it or not. If you look at their schedule, they've beaten Vegas twice. But, you know, ever since they lost 13 or 14 early in the year, they fell out of it. But you just can't lose to the Ducks twice. And, you know, the Sabres have their shared wins against the bottom. They're 4-0 against San Jose and Chicago. But they lost twice to the Ducks. They lost to Arizona. They just, you know, it's one of those years. You're going to have to just throw this season in the scrap heap. Let's get to the end, see what the numbers end up, and then make decisions from that. I guess related to that, um, in your postgame article, you said anyone not named Rasmus Dahlin, Uko Pekalukinen, which if you were to tell me that before the season, that he'd be one of the names that you wouldn't listen to, it's just mind-boggling. And also Owen Power are three names on this roster that Kevin Adams shouldn't listen to at the deadline. Uh, I personally found that a little bit jarring, obviously with the expectations going into the season. Of course, it's not where any of us expected. And it's extremely disappointing. But that means that Tage Thompson, Dylan Cousins, Alex Tuck, uh, obviously the guys on the roster right now, even Zach Benson, I guess, (laughs) should be on the table for, um, for the Sabres at the deadline. So I guess my question is, which of those guys, those four, and maybe even somebody else, J.J. Paterka even, could you realistically see potentially being on the move? Or if any of these guys aren't at all, maybe 
you can make that clear too, based upon what you expect to happen. But just seeing those names potentially available was a bit jarring for me to read. Yeah, the biggest thing I would say is you're not trading Thompson or Cousins that unless you get something big. If you get a hockey trade, if you get the latest version of, I don't know, Huberto and Kachuk, where it gets you a second, a number two defenseman to play with Darlene, or a big-time defenseman to play with power, you've got to think about trading one of these forwards to balance this lineup because you have enough forwards in your pipeline coming up, and you could obviously make another move. Um, I just cannot see this team rolling it back again next year and saying this year was the fluke because maybe this year, guys, maybe this year is a fluke. Maybe this year is just more regression with more guys you could have expected. The power play stinks, and it's a fluke because look where they are, five and five. If they had an average power play, where would they be, right? Uh, but maybe last year was the fluke where so many guys had career yeah, yeah. Maybe Tage Thompson never scores 47 goals again. We don't know that. So these two seasons have been so different. Last year, bad goaltending, great power play. This year, great goaltending, great penalty kill, terrible power play. These seasons are so different except for bad results at home that it's almost like we got to wait till next year to see which one's the fluke. Hey, actually, speaking of Tage, obviously you engage uh, with the players and the team uh, pretty often. Does it seem like he is – I mean, I don't really – I mean, I think it's obvious he's not at 100%, but I know he's had issues with his hands and other, area, and, and other areas. Like, does it seem like he is just hurt? Yes. Tage Thompson, definitely playing hurt. Jeff Skinner, definitely playing hurt. There's no possible explanation for where they are this season other than injury. You know, and, Th and Thompson's a little snake bit too. And, uh, you know, sometimes regression happens and shooting percentages, you know, can really flip. But, uh, you know, Thompson, we see Thompson in his skating and we see Thompson in his stick handling. It doesn't look the same as it has in the past. Skinner, I'm to the point with Skinner right now, he has literally been invisible in these games. He's not himself. If he can't do anything out there, they should take him off the ice. You know, I asked Granado after the game yesterday, are you convinced he's healthy? And, you know, Granado gives expansive answers to questions. He gave a very non-expansive answer to that one. He said basically yes and moved on. So I don't think Skinner's healthy at all. I'd get him off the ice if he just can't do anything for you right now because I don't even notice him when he's out there. And we know Jeff Skinner's liabilities here. We also know his strengths. The guy was on a 35 goal pace for quite a while here, but right now I just think some of these guys are banged up and, you know, they're trying to play through it. Good for them. That's what professional athletes do, but it's sometimes, especially in Skinner's case, I think sometimes you got to save them from themselves. Yeah. I, I, I tend to agree. And like you always, even if he's not on the score sheet, Jeff Skinner finds a way to get involved with the game. And we all know yes. how verbal he is, how antagonistic he can be. Like he gets under your skin. Like even if he's even if he's not shooting the puck, he's in and around the net, causing havoc. You know, and that's one of the things offensively that I've always loved about him. He's not afraid to go to those areas of the ice. But to your point, like I don't know. I just haven't noticed him. And is this the beginning of the regression of Jeff Skinner? I don't know. He's only 31 years old. It's not like you know, he's old in hockey sense. Like we hear about Logan Couture today. We'll talk about that. Like he's 34 and 
under contract till 2027. If he was 34 years old, yeah, I'd be like, yeah, he's definitely regressing. But like, no, for me, it all goes back. It all goes back to when he got hit by Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, you know, his season has a line in the sand right there. He was on a 35 to 40 goal pace, and after that play, his season fell off a cliff. So I clearly, you know, subscribe this to the injury theory with Jeff Skinner. Connor, you got anything? Uh, I guess, I mean, I, I would like to move on uh, to the article that came out before the game, if possible, because uh, I think that's... Wait, which article, point. Connor? That's a, <laughs> a larger discussion about the entire franchise and obviously the fan base, which matters to a lot of the people listening. And I thought you did a really great service to the fans by getting that story out there. Uh, you don't see it that often in journalism, uh, especially in sports journalism on a local beat where you get a player mid-season to speak on the condition of anonymity. Um, I guess my question for you from both a journalistic perspective and also a team and fan perspective, did you know that you'd only be able to do this story under that pretext? And is it something that I'm not, I, I'm honestly not too aware of any time you've done it in the past. And also, would it be something you'd be willing to do in the future to get more honesty out of these guys, either from a player or coach perspective? Well, the first thing on the story, you know, people have to understand is, you know, this took over a month, you know, because of the irony that, you know, I'm not going to write something that people were insisting was happening that I didn't see. And I didn't see it, like I said in the story, because I wasn't at the Chicago game due to the weather. And frankly, this team hasn't won a lot of home games for me to say, let's see if they salute the crowd after a win. I was watching for it three games in a row and they lost them all. So I had to wait a while. Um, I'm not big on the whole anonymity thing. Um, you know, but it doesn't matter really who it was. It just matters what they said in this case. And it, there's no reason for a player to take undue grief from the fans when they're answering my question that I'm bringing up that, you know, no one else even noticed. You know, and I'm kind of poking around and I'm I'm going on some heavy inside baseball that I think they didn't think anybody noticed. And I think that's part of what happened here. I had some alert fans who noticed and OK, this is interesting, but I had to wait to see it myself. And I think there was some surprise that I brought the topic up. Um, you know, that's how I went. That's how I did it. There's different reasons journalistically to do it, not to do it. Obviously, I haven't done it very often in 17 years of covering this team. Um, but I'm still, I'm not, you know, for two quotes in the story, it's not the big, the bigger deal is the entire culture it, it question that it raises. The question of the culture of the fans supporting the team, the question of the players responding to the fans, the question of the players snubbing the fans, um, the question of the fans, you know, chanting fire the coach off one terrible loss. There, there's a lot here, far more than, um, you know, the process of the story can get a little discussed a little too much as opposed to the story itself and what it talks about. And I, I posed that question to actually, you know, a couple, actually an hour ago, you know, you know, to fans, like, what do you want us to ask Mike? Obviously, we expected questions revolving this article. And one of the questions that really stuck out to me is, um, <clears throat> do you feel it's a problem? Well, it's a two-pronged two, two, two question. 
does something like this, like a decision like this, have to go through your leadership group? So your Akposo, your Darlene, your Gergensons. And if it does, is that part of a bigger issue that they themselves would make a decision like that as a leadership group, as like almost a jab against the fans? Yeah, I think in general, anytime a team does something like this, it's a mistake. Um, the Leafs did the same thing in 2014. It became a big story in Toronto. But that was a different time. They were terrible. Fans were throwing jerseys on the ice. This was pretty unusual because this was a completely out of left field attack by the fans on the coach during a game. And the players bucked up and, you know, said, we don't like this. Now, having said that, I respect that the players like Granado and they want to defend their coach and all that. Wouldn't it make sense? I mean, weren't the Bills really upset with the Tyler Dunn story about Sean McDermott? Didn't that fire the Bills up to no end? And what did the Bills do in response to the Tyler Dunn story? Which, by the way, excellent excellent journalist. They won six in a row, and they came, guys, this close. Really, they were this close to being in the Super Bowl this year. They Mm -hmm. really were. What have the Buffalo Sabres done to defend the honor of Don Granado? They've lost twice to the Ducks. Yeah, it's true. They have played the Ducks twice since that game and lost both games. Right. And you can, you know, you can point I mean, to a lot. If you're going to defend the honor of the coach, maybe you should play a little better, mm-hmm. not be 12 points out of the playoffs on Valentine's Day, not lose to the Ducks at home. I mean, come on. You know, I, I am one of the few people in this town who have actually seen some good hockey this year. Why? Because I go on the road. Yep. They I see terrible. some of these wins out of town when they actually play well. I don't see these desultory home games is the only thing I see. There are fans who email me, guys. I've paid all my money for tickets, and they've lost eight in a row. Now, this is why people think this team stinks, because a lot of these people have literally not seen a win in weeks. You know, when you look at it, and I keep saying, can you really fire a coach who's – 11-10-1 in his last 22 games, and his team is third in the league in defense since January 1st, blah, blah, blah. But then, you know, Joe Fan correctly says to me, Mike, I've lost seven games in a row at the games I've been at, so it's a hard problem. So for me, it kind of goes back to what Granado talked about after the game yesterday, the pressure, the pressure of this team, the expectations that they had yeah. before the season. Do you at least think part of the reason that they're failing at home so badly is that there is this mental rift that exists between this current group of players and the fans, given all the expectations, given the drought and everything hang, hanging over the organization. Are they just gripping their sticks too tight at home because they want to succeed so badly? They're putting this pressure on themselves and they feel it from the city. They feel it from the fans. Is that the reason they're not succeeding at home? Yes, I think they absolutely feel it. They feel free and easy on the road. And guys, I, again, I compare it to the Bills partly because – there's validity there, probably because they're owned by the same guy. When the Bills got the Andy Dalton miracle, what did that do? It lifted lifted the pressure. It lifted all the pressure. What did they do in the playoffs? They played that awful game in Jacksonville. Who cared? Suddenly they weren't in a playoff drought. All that pressure was gone. If the Sabres had snuck in last year and gotten beat by Boston in five games, what would that have done? 
it would have lifted me writing about the longest playoff drought in NHL history, blah, 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 20 times the next season. It would have lifted that out of the minds of every player, and it's still there. And until, you know, I, and at some point, Kevin Adams will get in front of us, say, I want to build a team for long-term success and win the Stanley Cup. I don't want to hear the words Stanley Cup from this organization right now. As strange as that might sound, I don't want to hear about the Stanley Cup. You are not in the league until you make the freaking playoffs and get to the first round and lose in five games. Your entire reason for existence, Terry Pagula, right now is to get in the first round of the playoffs so that we can now move on as a city, a franchise, a fan base, and become part of the league again. That's my feeling. Their goal next year should be nothing. Get to the first round of the playoffs. Granado should have the easiest coaching job in the league. Kevin Adams should have the easiest GM job in the league. No one should be demanding the Stanley Cup from them. They only need to get to the first round to change the narrative around their franchise. They're not the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're not the Canadians here whose fans aren't happy. They should have the easiest job in the league. That's how I feel. I don't want to hear about the Stanley Cup until they get back in the league. Right now, it's as if they're not even in the league. I couldn't agree with you more. Like it's almost kind of telling because you remember last, uh, you know, last off season, <clears throat> the question was, you know, you know, given to them, like, is it playoffs or bust? And they wouldn't really answer that directly, yes or no. Like, oh, you know, they kind of danced around it. Now it kind of makes you think: Were they almost expecting? this to be a down year because you know and another question from another fan uh do you feel don granado this is from from 13 years uh on on twitter do you feel don granado was set up to fail this season due to kevin adams failure to help this team and how much harder is it going to be to fill the roster next year with guys like akposo gergensen eric johnson olsen and maybe others being gone it will be hard to fill the roster i mean they have They'll make some moves. They'll get a couple guys in here. They'll have some young players to come in. But, you know, guys, you know, people paint me as an apologist for Granado. I've written multiple times, Granado's not had a good year. I didn't yeah. like trading camp at all. But if you look at it, Granado's number three at fault here. The number one person at fault for this season is Adams. The number two group for fault for this season are the players. For not performing. Granado's number three. And why is every narrative after the game fire the coach? But when they win, no, we don't fire the coach. But when they lose, fire the coach. No, this is a flawed roster. He was given a flawed roster from the start of the year. Now, he hasn't done a great job with it. He's got to do better next year, assuming he's back. But I just think right now, we're going to start to see right now, heading into the trade deadline, the affirmation of can Kevin Adams be an NHL GM? He can make a move at the trade deadline, which isn't going to help this season, but he can make a Jordan Greenway type of move that can help next season, and he can do it right now. That's what he needs to start doing because this team cannot draft itself out of trouble anymore. This isn't the NFL anyway, but how many number one draft picks are you going to get? Okay, if you get Macklin Celebrini, that's another guy who'll play and will help you, blah, blah, blah. We've seen number one overall picks. We've seen number two overall picks. What, what have they got in this franchise? So right now, my focus is on the GM. 
One more quick question about the store and the overall vibe in the room right now. Do you think there was a sense from the players and from the leadership group that they wanted to get their side of the story out there? Or was this completely organic? You having to figure out what was happening. You asked somebody and they only said they only they would only tell you if it was anonymous. Or is it is it a larger thing that they want to try to improve this relationship? Because from by all accounts, it seems like they do care about the city. They do care about the fans and they do care about that relationship. And, and what was the first thing the player said to me? I don't first know. Thing, first thing he said. It, we love the fans. Thing, we love the fans. And when this building gets going, it seriously gets right. going. Right. You know, we've seen it. We know. We were there. These players weren't. We were there in 06 and 07. We know what it was like. We were there in 1999. Right. We know what it was like. It would be like that again. That wasn't a phenomenon limited to 2006 and 7. It will be like that again if they ever get to that point. But these players don't know that. They just see old clips. Um, you know, I just think that Columbus game was just one of those events, one of those seismic things that nobody could have seen. If I had walked in that night, you would say, they're going to lose to Columbus tonight. Okay. Yeah, you could lose any game. If they had said you had said to me you're going to lose to Columbus nine to four, I would have bet you every dollar in my pocket, every dollar I've ever touched. That's never going to happen, and it did. And we saw it with our own eyes. We saw it was seven to one in the second period, you know. And it was just one of those crazy things that happens sometimes. And the fans got crazy and started chanting "fire the coach," and the players got mad. And you know, I tell you one thing. I don't know what would have happened if they had come back two nights later and played the Leafs and laid another egg. I don't want to say a 9-3 to win against the Leafs saved Granado's job, but it certainly extended his runway quite a bit. Yeah, you definitely after a loss like that to Columbus, you don't want to – you know, put up an egg against, you know, a division rival like the Leafs. And that's a, that's a, that's a rivalry I, you know, during some of the Eichel days, you know, you saw it was starting to gain ground again, some traction. Sure. The players were buying into it. And then, you know, what happened? Well, you know, I really want that uh, that feel again, that importance of uh, a, a Buffalo-Toronto game, you know, to matter again. We're really hoping for that for this season. And it looks like it's not going to happen. Uh, another question, is there anything here from, from Matt, is there anything that can be salvaged from this season? Sure. You know, you can keep seeing how well Lukanen can play. We can keep having games where Zach Benson is a gnat and where he can, you know, cause trouble in the offensive zone and get some more goals and some more points. Uh, we got to get uh, to the point where we see Owen Power back shortly, I would assume, and see him keep rebuilding his game. He really struggled the first 25 games, got quite a bit better in recent games. I think some of what we've seen the last couple of games – Mr. Power is missed in that back end. Some of yes. these guys are overextended now because Power is not there. Um, there's never – the season is lost in terms of the standings. It's never a waste of time from individual skill that can translate into next season and gain more experience in some of these games. One, one more question from Kevin McCormick. <clears throat> Do you think the assistant coaches will change anytime soon – bare minimum they need to be fired and i know matt ellis has been a name thrown around by a lot of people you know because of the woes and the power play and you, you can make a lot of different arguments of that and you know 
my personal opinion of Don Granado, and listen, I don't want I like Don. I don't want to see him fired because I don't think you could have this much turnover at two different two, I find another sports organization that has had much turnover at head coach and GM as much as the Sabres in the last decade. So you're hard pressed to find it. And how can you expect to have any sustainable success when you constantly have that kind of turnover? Like how many different systems has Darlene played under since he was drafted? (laughs) And at the end of the day, like I do want to see it work with Granado, but another point I've made multiple times is I genuinely think, and this goes back to also obviously the players that have been rostered, the players that that have been provided to the Granado by the general manager. Was he set up to fail with having such a, like an inexperienced coaching staff around him? No. You know why? The same coaching staff got 91 points last year. You know, I just think that sometimes, you know, failure has to be rated. And if you're going to keep Granado, you're probably going to say to Granado, you're going to have to get some different assistants in here. You know, Granado has already, guys, taken pretty much taken over the power play from Ellis. And the power play has been quite a bit better the last month or so. Um, I think that's going to be what's going to happen. There's going to be some assistant coaches brought in here. I think they're going to tell Granado, if Granado's not thinking already, you're going to have to bring an assistant coach in here with NHL pedigree. Um, you know, I don't know if they're going to put Seth Appert on the staff. We'll have to see. But. I just think that the assistant coaches are all good guys. I think a couple of them are going to take the fall here because somebody's got to take the fall. It's not going to be the GM. I don't think it's going to be the head coach. And really, it's hard for it to be any of the players who are all signed long-term. I think the assistant coaches are going to take the fall. Something we've talked about for years, which doesn't seem like it has any chance of happening, but I guess I'm wondering if if you potentially heard anything or you think there might be a chance, a president of hockey operations. It exists almost league-wide. Actually, I don't know the numbers on that, but I've heard about it very often, and we've talked about it with the Sabres. Uh, Is there any chance of that after this? Zero. 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 It's just not – it's not something Terry Pagula believes in, and I disagree. A lot of people disagree. It's his team. He can do what he wants. He is not hiring a president of hockey operations between him and Kevin Adams. Now, he's about to miss the playoffs for 13 straight years. Maybe he should say to himself, let's try something different here. Yeah. But, no, I don't expect him to at all. Now, when when, it, when he was asked, uh, you know, Kevin was asked by the media, and obviously you were there, how involved Terry is with the team on a day-to-day basis do you like personally, and not to put you on the spot here, but do you personally buy into that, that he is as involved as he says he is, or do you think it's more of, well, now the bill season's over now he can be more involved. I think he's involved. I think, you know, he's not at as many games as he used to be. You know, he, he's usually at the games in Florida. They haven't played in Florida yet this year. That's one thing. Um, you know, he doesn't show up at home that I see. I've seen him a couple times. Not much. I mean, he's not. He's at every Bills game. And understand, he's an NFL owner now. Yeah. NFL owner. That's a bigger cachet than an NHL owner. Um, but to say Terry Pagula doesn't care is a fan narrative that's out there that's not true. I just don't think he knows what to do to fix this operation. But he cares about winning as much as he did the day he walked in the door. The day he walked in the door, 
He wasn't an NFL owner in the process of building a $1.7 billion stadium. You know, times change, life changes. His wife, unfortunately, became very ill and is no longer part of the actual day-to-day operation. I mean, that's just, you know, life. Life happens. Um, but Terry Pagula still cares. I know Terry Pagula loves the draft. You know, when, when the Sabres have their scouting meetings down in Florida, he's in, he's looking at video on kids and, you know, he's throwing his opinions out there. He's at the draft table when they draft. Most owners are in the NHL. So he just, he cares. He wants them to win. They don't know how to, that's all. I guess that's where my question goes back to that. You said there's zero chance of him hiring somebody with knowledge of an NHL organization to bring in and oversee this thing and maybe try something different. Is that level of stubbornness just dooming this franchise? I don't think it's stubbornness. I just think Terry doesn't trust people. Terry doesn't have a lot of trust. Is that lack of trust dooming this franchise? Like, clearly it hasn't worked. Right. Clearly he's doing something or not doing something for 13 straight years that is largely inept. Like, how could he not think that bringing in someone with more knowledge of the NHL and more knowledge of how an organization works – at a very high level, could be a good idea. Um, I don't know. I just think he says to himself, I want to have the direct line to the general manager. And if I bring in the you know the equivalent of Brendan Shanahan or Cam Neely or Jim Rutherford, I mean, it's crazy. He should obviously do it. He should obviously, you know, he's been zigging for 13 years. He obviously should zag right now, right? And the zag would be to hire a president of hockey operations. And, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he'll finally give in and do it, Connor. But you know what? He's stubborn. You know, billionaires think they're billionaires because they know everything, right? They don't listen to anybody else. So I don't expect them to do it. But, you know, I didn't expect this team to collapse this year and be 27th in the overall standing. Oh, my God. Maybe, maybe, guy. And don't forget, guys, look at the standings. This team might finish last in the Atlantic Division. It's yeah, possible. Very it's possible. very possible. It, 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 as of right now, they're absolutely a lottery team. And frankly, right. never it also it just makes me really confused because he obviously did something really, really right with Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. Obviously, the fans had their issues with Sean McDermott when they were losing this season. I think that's Connor. 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 Who hired Brandon Bean? Terry Pagula. Who brought in Brandon B? Sean McDermott. Well, McDermott. Yeah, that's true. Sean McDermott. So, Sean McDermott. so there you go. But at least Terry had some say in that process. I'm just – it just it blows my mind that, especially with those two, it seems like they are in complete control of the, that organization. They know everything that's going on. And, of course, Terry is in every draft video you see. He's at every game. It just seems like it's one of the more successful franchises in the NFL over the past six, seven years. Sure. I don't know how you could look at that model that is working so well for the other team in this city and not want to do something similar or have that. Well, he is. Yeah, I get it. But like he is. There is no there's no president of football. No, there's that's a GM true. and a coach. Yeah, but it seems as though that Brandon Bean has way more control of the organization, everything within it than Kevin Adams does. And maybe that's more just trust there, I guess. That he's had. I think what Connor's saying, there's more trust there in Brandon Bean to maybe have a little bit more authority over the franchise as a whole than Terry maybe have with others with the Sabres. Well, keep in mind, Brandon Bean is like any other GM in the NFL. You can draft five starters for next year. You could go draft five starters. 
in the NHL, it's a miracle, really, that Zach Benson is on the Sabres this year. Basically, no one plays that year unless they're a top five pick. Yep. You know, you can't draft yourself out of trouble in hockey. It doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And that's a real difference with the two sports that Terry owns. And you don't have to be patient in football because you can get yourself out of trouble in one year. Teams go from four and 13 to 13 and four in the NFL all the time. It's not that hard to do. Hockey, when you're stuck in the mud, eventually you get out of it. Nobody's stuck as long as the Sabres have been. But there are teams that get stuck in the mud, and it's hard. The Washington Capitals are a great franchise, right? They haven't won a playoff series since they won the Stanley Cup six years ago. I mean, you start getting stuck in the mud out of the playoffs, it's hard to get out. Hockey's a weird sport that way. Yeah, and, and if you get the quarterback like they got the quarterback, right. it makes things easier. And from a, from a hockey perspective, if you get the goaltender, obviously makes things easier. Uh, and I guess that brings me to UPL and his ascension this season. But at the same time, it's only a few months. And we've seen with him throughout his career, and his career is very short, the inconsistency from him. I guess these past two months and what we've seen, are they – as confident as they were in Devin Levi, clearly, to start him the first four games of this season and have UPL be the third guy, are they that confident in him moving forward enough to that it potentially could put Devin Levi's future in jeopardy if UPL no. does turn into that number one guy? No. You know what? The very few teams anymore have a, quote, number one guy. How many teams play their guy 60 games or more anymore? Five? Six? Yeah, maybe five or six, Yeah. Yeah. Your your two goalies here are going to be Lukanen and Levi, and they're going to they're going to you know the ideal scenario I think for goaltending right now is what Boston has, where both guys play about 40, 45 games. The the mistake Boston made last year was Montgomery choked in the playoff series. As soon as Allmark had a bad game, he should have gone to Swayman, and he didn't do it until Game Seven. And Allmark was clearly wrong off in that series. I think he was hurt even too. People speculate sure, he was hurt. Health. Yeah. He, he finally threw Swayman in there in game seven. And he did it. He went against what he had done the whole season. Your model really is going to be in this league now, having two guys like that. You know, the idea of Hellebuck and Thatcher Demko. And like I said, there's going to be only five or six teams like that. And you're going to have more teams go to the cup who are not going to rely on one guy. You know, I, I just think that if they're going to develop Lucan and Levi to be two strong goaltending prospects, you want to have depth at, at forward. You want to have depth at defense. Why, why do you want to not have depth at goaltending? This league has often been goofy that way. Whereas if your goalie got hurt, you were you were really in trouble. You were done. Well, you shouldn't be done if your goalie gets hurt. You should be able to put the other guy in there. Agreed. Well, uh, a couple more questions from fans, and this kind of goes back to the trust thing about a present hockey operations. Many speculate that Kyle Poso, when he does call, hang up his skates, could have a position somewhere within the franchise. Could you see Kyle being a, a trustworthy enough person? This is coming from Brett Buda, too. Uh, uh, um, a trustworthy enough person to maybe may not be a, a president of hockey operations, or at least not right away, but being a guy that could assist Kevin Adams in certain decisions because he has been, he's the longest, next time he gets Gergens, he's the longest tenured Sabre. Right. And in terms of being an ambassador, I think he's the top of the list. I think, 
Akpozo should be someone they should be considering in the front office for sure. Um, you know, he's going to be like a player. He's going to have to almost start over. He's going to have to learn what it is to work in a front office. I mean, not everybody's going to go the Daniel Briere route, but it's kind of like that where you want to learn the business side. You want to learn different areas of the franchise, and then you continue to elevate yourself. You know, but Akpozo's got young kids. You don't know what his living status is. He lives in Clarence. He stays here year-round a lot of times. He's got a home in Minnesota. That's one of these people who need to stay in hockey as a career when their playing days are over because of the quality person that he is. And I would hope that they would try to keep him in their organization and not let him go to the front office of the Islanders or Minnesota or whatever. But, uh, yeah, that's the kind of people you want to have in your organization. Here's a question from Chris. Uh, does Kevin Adams uh, show us that there is any hope at the deadline, but do you have any idea – where Terry is on this whole thing. Actually, he has a, he had a different question I meant to pull up, but uh, in terms of, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the deadline because that is fast approaching. Um, is this kind of a make or break deadline for Kevin to really show no. fans? And obviously, you know, no. you don't, you don't, you don't think, no, no, it's a make or break off season for Kevin. Okay. A lot, a lot of times the deadline is too reliant on other teams, just not wanting to do something because they still think they're in it. I'm not going to give you this guy right now. I'm still in it. I'm three points out. I can't I can't run the white flag on the season, but I can give you that guy at the draft. I can give you that guy in July. That's how a lot of times this stuff goes. That's why it was interesting to me that he was able to get Jordan Greenway last year. That's what you want him to do this year. Get a guy who can help you next year. That's what I want to see Adams do with this deadline. I'm not so much worried he's going to dump guys. He'll dump the guys you think he's going to dump. But he's not going to trade somebody you don't expect now. That's going to happen at the draft or in the summer. But get me another established NHL player who can help you next year. Do you think Gia, uh, Kevin Adams has to address at some point the player salute boycott? Um, yeah, you know, I mean, the one problem is I think it'll be an issue again the next yeah. time they win a game. Yeah, yeah. You know? now, now it'll really stand out, right? Right after the Kings win, didn't you say they did it then or no? Did they not after that? After the Kings win, of course, no one knew this was an issue. I was the one watching for the players were leaving the ice, and I was like, Oh, there they go. And then the players came back, somebody yelled from the ice, Hey, we're gonna do the salute. So players came off the tunnel, they were they were not down the tunnel, they were in the tunnel on the bench. They came back on the ice. They didn't all go around the center circle, but they clearly raised their sticks to the crowd. So now, you know, if they had won yesterday, I was thinking, well, they've got to go to the center circle now. And, you know, then I was saying, well, geez, are they going to get booed? Well, now there's all those kids in the building. What happens if, you know, I don't know, they beat Vegas on that Saturday night? Do they get cheered or they get booed if they go to the center circle? What is that like? I don't know. At some point, it will become a brief story again, I think. I, I definitely think there's more pressure for them to salute the fans next time. They they better, yeah, and the other thing is I think the GM might say to them, you're going to the circle if you win this game. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I almost have to. If And do, do, do the fans that do stay a check, do they give like the Bronx cheer? Yeah, like, and yeah. I, I don't think I, I don't think the coach or GM had any idea about this. Yeah, I don't 
I don't think they would have signed off on it. Adams is in the elevator a lot of times with us. As soon as the buzzer goes, Granado makes a right turn, goes down the tunnel. It's entirely possible the coach and GM had no knowledge of this whatsoever. So I guess related to this story, one more off that. It seems like there's a bit of a rift. Is it as big between this group and the fans as it seems it is? And like aside from the obvious, which is winning, winning solves all, what else can they do to fix it? Is it improving the arena? Nothing. Is it, you think it's Nothing. Just, just winning? Just winning. You know, the, the, the $18 chicken fingers are better when they win. Right. You know, the broken seats don't bother you as much when they win. And they, they got to fix the damn arena. We know that. They yeah. got to make well, the really water really hot, do. fix the seats. And, but you know what? If you won, people would put up with it. And the problem is they don't win. They've been out of the playoffs 13 years in a row, and they lose at home. Imagine, guys, if they were out of the playoffs, but they were 25, 12, and 4 at home, and – 13, 26, and three on the road, and they missed the playoffs. People feel better. Yeah. Well, I paid a lot of money, and look how many wins I saw this year. Look at all those great games I went to. It was the same last year, too. They were much better on the road. They yeah, they they been they were they've been 27th at home two years in a row. It's no coincidence. The players are tight at home, and if you can't get these players to play in this building, then you've got to change the mix. Somebody has to go. I do think this. When you asked me earlier, are they going to trade Thompson, trade Cousins? No. They're going to trade somebody, probably in the offseason, where we're all going to say, holy cow, they traded that guy? Somebody's going, we don't expect. They That was going to lead into like my, well, not my next question, but there's a lot of talk lately about Jeff Skinner. Uh, He has a few years remaining on his contract, obviously a big cap hit. He's never seen the playoffs before. In terms of making a move that would send vibrations through the locker room, that that, that could be a move if you retain the right amount of salary. Um, no, because he, first of all, he's got a no move clause. Oh, it's, it's true that he does have a no move clause, so, so you would have to lift the no move clause, right? And he's gonna do that, on. you know, he's not gonna do that to go to, you know, I don't know, you know, he's not going to the Leafs, the Leafs aren't trading for him, he'd go there. But, you know, I mean, I I think if you were going to shock the locker room, the shock of the locker room would be trading Thompson or Cousins or Middlestat. One of those three. That that, that is true. And more your feelings on Casey Middlestat. Uh, We had one person ask a question here in the chat. We're not going to get to all, guys. For for, for those of you who are watching and listening, we're not going to get to all. There's so many of them. But I, I'm looking here. There was a question on Casey. Your feelings on his future with the team? Do they let him go to arbitration? Do they deal him at the deadline? It seems Kevin Adams had not Kevin Adams has said he would like to bring him back. But what is the asking price for Casey? And what is the market value for Casey? He is, uh, he is he would be an RFA, so there's more value there. Um, he has been one of the few players on this team that hasn't regressed. Uh, what is his value? Well, that's the point. So many of these guys have regressed. Now you're going to trade the one guy who's really taken a step forward this year? I agree. Why? Why? You know, I I think the other problem is it's hard to trade. If you're another GM, it's hard to trade with the Buffalo Sabres because you could say to yourself, that franchise is so screwy that they have messed this guy up. 
So you're going to say, well, we know how to fix these guys. Or you're going to say, I don't want to touch any of those guys. They are radioactive. You know, the Buffalo Sabres are such a mess that I don't want to deal with one of their players because he's coming from a place where his head is in 20 different places. He's never played in the playoffs. Why would we want any of their players, even if we <laughs> think they're good? So it's a hard problem. But, no, I'm not trading Middlestat now. I mean, I know it's a problem. How do you re-sign him? <coughs> Excuse me. He can't get the money that Cousins got. You got to keep him. You got to figure it out. I mean, you, you can say that about – Sabres coming from this organization going to another one, but then you look at Jack Eichel, Ryan O'Reilly, Sam Reinhart, Brandon Montour. But they were guys. good here. They yeah, were good here. They just didn't that, win. Like, all, yeah. the, all these guys have gone to other organizations and they've succeeded almost immediately. So right, because the team is better around them. They yeah. played, I mean, Eichel was a number eight in the Hart Trophy race playing for Hart Ralph Kruger. Right. Yep. That was that was the season he won on that uh, long point streak, and uh, then it was broken up by uh, he had the flu or whatever it was or stomach bug. Um, right. So they just they they got to better teams. O'Reilly was very good here. He got to a better team. Yeah. They weren't good enough around their guys. Sam Reinhardt is the one who's elevated his game more than anybody else. Right. And then in terms of Casey's contract, you said you you can't pay him as much as Cousins or or Tage, so that would be less than seven a year. What is what does he deserve? What does he get? Well, he's still not even a twenty goal man right now. Right. Correct. Yeah. So somewhere in the range of six to six five. It's gonna be. It's probably got to start with a six. I yeah. think you're. I think it's a steal if you get him at six five personally. Yeah, um, but I, I well, I would want to know how many years. We're not talking yeah. seven or eight. Yeah. No, like every five year there. deal at six five. Like a bridge deal, I I could see that, or maybe they let him go to arbitration and, and they pay him on a two year arbitration deal. I don't know. I think that'd be a mistake, but that'd be a mistake because because I I worry what the number would be. Exactly. Can uh, you get him? Can you get him for five, five for, I don't know, five for thirty three, maybe. It, another question from Brett Buda: What is the market price right now, in your opinion, for Eric Johnson? And can they fetch anything at all for Victor Olofsson uh, at the deadline? Assets to be flipping, you know, flipping another deal for players. They can get a pick for Eric Johnson. He's too valuable in the locker room. People, you know, you can run him out there to penalty kill. Just forget yesterday's game. He was terrible yesterday. Mm-hmm. Guys have terrible games. That shouldn't determine whether you can trade him or not. Uh, Olofsson is untradeable. I don't know who would trade for Olofsson right now. Why would you trade for Victor Olofsson right now? He has done nothing this season. He's gone from 28 goals to four. Doesn't play on the power play anymore. When he does play, he doesn't do anything. And the best you can do is what, 2.3? Yeah. And I said this last year when at least he was still scoring. Um if there was one team, my opinion, you could look at to trade um, to, to trade him to was Vegas. I know they're in cap hell, but if people remember when Eichel went on the Spit and Chicklets podcast, all he talked for like five or five to ten minutes about Victor Olofsson and how much he loved playing with him. Like you could have almost used Jack Eichel as an advocate for Victor Olofsson, a team that maybe was looking to you know not spend a ton of money but bring in more goals to the lineup. But that that ship is more past. But I, I tend to agree. Like you'd almost have to pay seventy five percent of his salary 
to, to, to ship him out. And, and there's a market for Victor Olofsson in the offseason. There's going to be there's going to be 12 teams that are going to go up to him and say, hey, one year, one million, come play. Yep. He's going to have no shortage of people interested. Right now, people just can't give him 2.3 to do nothing. No, exactly. And I don't think Buffalo's done him many favors either in the situation. Not I want to say he they put him in bad situations, but like the lack of power play time for him. You know, you, you don't put – if you want to showcase a player like him, put him in positions to, to score. You know, we haven't seen have. They have. He's been on the power play. You haven't noticed him. No, oh, maybe that's it on the second unit curve. I, I'd imagine not. You haven't noticed him. I mean, he doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't do anything. Yeah. You know, we talked earlier about Skinner being invisible because he's hurt. Victor Olafson, you know, he's been scratched a lot lately, but he's played. Have you noticed him at all? Does he do anything out there? What does he do? Yeah. There, Nothing. There was some talk at the beginning of the season that he's played better. You know, a t- better two hundred foot game, but. Other than that couple there weeks. some of that, yeah. But and other than that, to your point, he's been very invisible. Connor, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with Mike. It's it's a tough situation. and You're just going to end up losing for nothing. And I think the organization eventually will be at peace with that. Uh, I guess we mentioned him earlier, the, the longest tenured player on the team, Gergensen's. Do you think he goes at the deadline? It seems like he's a prime candidate for a team. Plays a good direct style, forechecking, responsible defensively, good on the penalty kill. Do you think he goes at the deadline, and is it a, another situation where they just get a pick for him? Yeah, he goes at the deadline. Uh, there'll be a, teams that want him. Boston, a team like Boston licks their lips for a guy like Gergens. Yeah, the I, I thought you know he 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 lives there in the summer. I thought he'd be a good addition for Pittsburgh, but there I don't think they're in a playoff hunt anymore. Strangely enough. Uh, I think, you know, the rumors you hear about Boston, I think they're going to land either Gergensen's or Akpozo. That's the kind of player they're looking to add right now. Akpozo has to make a choice. Does he want to leave his family for a couple months and chase a cup? You know, he's the captain. He may not want to do that. He may say to Adams, look, I just want to stay here. You know, my loyalties to these guys, you know, but does he want to chase a cup in Boston? I don't think he can chase a cup going to Long Island or Minnesota. No. Um, so that's going to be an interesting decision. Gergensen's, I assume, will go. You know, I know people say, oh, these guys are terrible. Somebody's going to want Eric Johnson. Somebody's going to want Gergensen's. You're only getting picks for them. You know, if you want to get another player, if you want to get, you know, Logan Couture, that's going to be a hockey trade. You're going to trade somebody to get somebody. Yeah. I mean, for me, Logan Couture, they, we'll, get, we'll get into that rumor right now from Dave Pagnota from the fourth period. Like, he's 34 years old. He's signed for $8 million a year till 2027. I mean, we all know he's a Sabres fan and he's a Bills fan, but right. is that what the team needs right now? That guy no. taking up a roster spot? Like, no. I, I don't agree with it. I, w- I wish Logan Couture had one year left on his deal. Agreed. Yeah, one year, 100%. And even if it was seven or eight million for one year, but I cannot take Logan Couture on with his current contract structure, knowing you're just going to be doing Mike Greer a favor because he has no future on a rebuilding team like San Jose. Um, That's unfortunate. That's the kind of thing Adams needs to do, though, to get a player like that, but not with that salary in that term. You know, somebody in that two to four million dollar range has a year or two left who's play you know when Greenway got here you know he had already played what 270 NHL games 
you know, that's the kind of guy you want to add here. You have to, you cannot be the youngest team in the league anymore. You cannot. You have to get a couple experienced guys. Now, these guys aren't young game-wise. Darlene, Cousins, they played three, 400 games, some of them already, at a young age. They cannot be 21 and 22-year-olds all the time here. They have to add a couple experienced players. That's why Johnson was a great addition. He just hasn't played well enough to just in that in that same vein, do you think that applies to the goaltending at all? No. Because there is a limited market out there of who's out there. Right. You know, if you look at it, all this talk of the offseason, they gotta add a goal. <laughs> goaltending is not the issue. Who it's goaltending's not A, it's not the issue. And who are the two best goalies, as it turned out, who moved going into this season? Alex Lyon and Jonathan Quick. Yep. Would they have excited you in July or August? No. Not we, were big, we were big advocates on this show to go get a guy like Johnny Quick uh, in the offseason just because of you know what the experience he could bring for even one more season. But uh, everybody thought he was washed. Yep. And look at the year he had. He's, but he's been washed for the last three years. He's been, I don't know why he's had a good year this year. Maybe yeah. it's the goalie coach, but, but everybody thought he was washed. I think he's finally healthy, and he's obviously he's got one of the better defensive units in the league. Right. The Rangers. That always structure. helps. Structure. So, quickly with the goaltending, um, one more time. Obviously, Levi's looked pretty good in the AHL. Really, really right. good numbers. Uh, I think he's got a 930 save percentage, 2.38 goals again, 6-2-2 two two with the Amherst, 52 saves yesterday. Do you think we see him again with the Sabres before the end of this year, or do you think they just let him ride it out with the Amherst for the rest of the year? To, to uh, you keep... might just you might just see him on a stray start. You know, I, I'd have to look at the Amherst schedule. If the Amherst have a lull and the Sabres don't, yeah, let's call Levi up and give him a game so he doesn't sit for five or six days. But in terms of will he come back to the Sabres this year, no. The goal is to ride it out at the Amherst, see if he can lead a team back on a playoff run. That's what the objective with Levi is going forward. Love that too, because I, I think that he he especially is a, a goaltender who plays very well in big moments. And going on a uh, on a playoff run with him uh, to chase a Calder a Calder Trophy uh, or a Calder Cup, sorry, would be would be huge, you know, for his own development and the players that are currently down there, like Kulik, like Rosen. I I love that idea. Going back to that comment about youth a few minutes ago from Trevor. Question for Mike. Should we be worried about being one of the youngest teams in NHL and consistently losing? Should we be worried about it could ru- about it ruining development? No. It's not ruining development. Guys, it wasn't ruining development last year when guys had great years. They're just having down years, I think. However, like I said, they can't be the youngest team in the league anymore. You know, they had the youngest team in the league last year and got younger. When they ran, when Craig Anderson was off the roster, so they can't keep getting younger. They have to have more experience in this team. And if you look at it, they're going to get pretty young again next year. If you take Johnson, Akpozo, and Gergensen's off this team, you're getting younger. So they really need to get some of those guys who played 300, 400 NHL games in here. And I know Adams wants to get guys who are the right mix. Blah blah blah. Well. Greenway certainly was the right mix. You can find those guys who can mix with this roster. Greenway's been a terrific addition. They got to find more guys like that who are NHL players. Greenway was not a prospect. 
They acquired Greenway. He was an NHL player. They have to acquire NHL players. And does does that come at the expense of someone like Yuri Kulik? It won't come at the expense of Kulik, no. But it will come at the expense, potentially, of your prospects. In hockey, we are too much in love with our prospects. In baseball, what are our prospects for? Our prospects in baseball are to trade as much as to play. All these guys who play for the Bisons, very few of them end up in Toronto. Some of them get dealt. That's what they're there for. The Sabres will have to adopt a mentality that some of these prospects are going to get them elevated, get them NHL players right now. Are there really going to be spots within the next two years for Savoy, Austin, Wahlberg? I mean, go down the list of guys. There aren't enough spots. There just aren't. Comment comment from Hunter, Anthony Duclair, uh, a player that I would love to see in a Sabres uniform personally. And, I mean, the San Jose Sharks have no use for Anthony Duclair right now. He's just former 30-goal guy in Florida. That's an NHL player. Yeah, you have to get guys like that. I mean, your young players, you know, Connor, the biggest thing is they just cannot assume we're going to promote all the young players and that's how we're going to win. No, because your young players still have to learn how to win. And if there's no one here to teach them, what's the point? But the exception to at least that rule for this offseason and next year, you do think will be Kulik getting that yeah. full-time job. He, he, he to me is, you know, it's already out there that people have asked about Kulik and then been told no. So that means Rosean, Austin, Savoy, somebody's going. I I think they're keeping Austin because, first of all, I think he's really good. But second of all, if I'm Adams, I got to keep Austin. He's he's the guy I got for Eichel. So I got to keep him. He also looked looked incredible at the World Junior Tournament. He looks great. Savoy hasn't stayed healthy. I might be looking to trade Savoy. And I drafted Benson, so – I don't necessarily need Savoy. That might be the guy I move. <clears throat> um, is their first round pick in play? You know, you know, unless it's like a top three pick or even top five pick, is that first round pick in play this 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 offseason? It should be. It should be. But this league, nobody trades their first round picks anymore. Yeah. Who trades their first round? Who trades a first round pick in the top ten? The last time it happened was when Corey Schneider. Is that the last? Top 10 pick that got traded? I can't think of one off the top of my head. You know, I mean, I'm thinking if the Sabres are in the lottery and they have the number four pick, if I'm Adams, I'm on the phone to everybody saying, what are you giving me for this number four pick? I'm looking for a top four defenseman. Right. The very bare minimum. Right. I'm looking for one of your top four defensemen for my number four pick. Now, obviously, if they have the number one pick, all right, you're taking taking some (laughs) <laughs> I'm taking Celebrini and la- you know, but do you still pick up the phone and say, "Who's going to give me a Bo Jackson or a Ricky Williams trade?" Right. Is that trade out there? You know, I don't know, but you know, if I got the number four pick or the number six pick or whatever, I'm talking deal. Agreed. Um, I, again, uh, I guess long term outlook. Another question from Nick. Is Kevin Adams the guy long term in your opinion? Is he the guy that's going to write this ship? In your, you know, do you believe that, or even just even at long term GM, like we talked about earlier about you know people being trusted to be a president of hockey operations, could that even be in the future for him? It, but it, it, in the short term, is he the guy 
at the GM position that's going to right this ship and get them to the playoffs? He's the one who's going to get the chance. I think Adams and Granado, unless this season goes completely off the rails, which it doesn't look like it will. Um, I think Adams will be back. I think Granado will be back. I think Granado will be on a very short leash. And I think next year that whole fire the coach thing before Thanksgiving comes into play. And that's what I think they're going to look at is if they get off to another bad start, Granado's in serious trouble. They have to be better at training camp. They have to not chase the season. They did it. They've chased the season two years in a row. You can't do it. Is Krebs, uh, do you agree Krebs should be in a bigger role instead of the bottom six? Or could Krebs be a guy that might be in play? Yeah, he's a guy that's in play, I would think. A, a lot of people are going to want him. Again, I think Adams might hesitate. Oh, I traded Eichel for him. Um, boy, Krebs has looked good on this line, though, with Benson and Paterka. He was looking for a more offensive chance. Um, again, you know, I think the fans, I think in a lot of ways, the fans like a lot of these players like Adams does. You know, he's going to trade somebody. People are going to say, what is he doing trading that guy? Well, you know, what are they, 26th overall, 27th overall? I mean, you got to trade somebody. You got to do something here. Um, let's see how much better Krebs is the rest of the season. He's been good the last couple of games. Still put the puck in the net. You know, how much value is Peyton Krebs if he's going to score seven or eight goals for a whole season? I couldn't agree with you more. I think he's one of the more underutilized players on this team. Um yeah, but he's got a score. Yep. Uh, Connor, any of your any you have anything left for uh, for Mike before we get out of here? In my naturally optimistic brain, in a in an ideal world, let's say they rip off five in a row here. Is there any chance? Do you? I, I know they haven't proven to to us that they can even win three in a row up until this point. But let's say they go on a streak. Do in 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 a perfect world. Do they have a chance to make the playoffs if they're able to do that? They have to do that first. But do they have the team once that win streak happens? If it does happen, probably won't. Could they make the playoffs, do you think? No, you know why? The math, they're behind too many teams. The streak to get them into this thing has to be eight, nine, ten games, right. not five. A five-game winning streak will make no dent in the standings whatsoever. You know, the one frustration for me, if you look at the standings, guys, one of the, the failures of this season was not getting games to overtime. The Sabres have more regulation wins than the Leafs. Than the Leafs. But the Sabres only have four loser points. Look at the Islanders' record. They have 14. <coughs> the Islanders are in the playoff hunt. If the Sabres had nine overtime points, they'd be five or six points out, and they'd be in this thing still. So they just haven't got enough games to overtime. And it, it's not a win-loss league. It's a points league. They have to figure out how to extend the games. They haven't done that well enough. That's a coaching thing. Granado has to focus on. We've got to get points. We've got to get games to 65 minutes. They don't have a chance this year without a 10-game winning streak, which obviously I don't see happening since they haven't had a three-game winning streak, for God's sake. Um, but, yeah, it's over in my mind, until you get a 10-game winning streak and there's only, what, 28 games left or whatever. So time's a waste. Do you feel that the sense of player opinions around the league, you know, and the Sabres have shifted or changed ever since, obviously, the Eichel debacle with his neck and obviously, you know, 
how he felt about how he was being treated, the outlook of the, of the franchise from teams on the outside looking in. Uh, do you think that the the idea of playing in Buffalo has shifted at all since then? Since the dust has kind of settled with that whole situation. Yeah. You know, most of these players who crab about the way Eichel was treated, and I fully respect the way Eichel handled the situation. It's his body. Vegas was one of the few teams that were going to let him have the surgery. That's why he got traded there. Yep. Most teams in the NHL agreed with the Sabres. That's why it took so long to trade him. No one else was going to let Eichel have the surgery. That point gets overlooked all the time. The Sabres were not outliers in that situation at all. Um, so I think it was overstated. Oh, they treated Eichel badly. No one's going to want to play here. No, they did what most every other owner in the league would have done. The players know that teams really aren't looking for their best interest. Um, the bigger impediment to players wanting to come to Buffalo is the Buffalo Sabres haven't been in the playoffs for a dozen years, and they have a losing culture and a losing record. They don't have a culture of success. No one crabs about coming to play for the Buffalo Bills in the middle of snowstorms. No, all they think about is, wow, they win. They play in front of 75,000 crazed lunatics every week. This is going to be great. They got a, a monster at quarterback. Just win, and it doesn't matter. People go play in Green Bay, do they not? And I've been to Green Bay. It's a wonderful place, but it's cold. You know, just win. It's, you know, I hate bringing football in all the time, but good Lord, Al Davis was so right. Just win. That's what we got to do. Any final thoughts, Connor? I think that's it for me. I had a lot written down. I, I think we've, we've covered a lot here. So obviously appreciate your time, Mike. And I, I really do think what you did with that article the other day, it was two Love quotes, and, but like you said, that was a four week long process that was kind of difficult to do. And I think it shed a light on the relationship between this organization and these fans right now. And uh, I think it's representative of, as you said, the the mess as a whole. So we'll see what happens here, but really appreciate you coming on. Thank you guys. I appreciate it very much. Do you have any questions for us, Mike? <laughs> I, I, I feel for these fans. I, I do. How do we do it? <laughs> I, you know, and the thing is, you know, they pay. I just wish it was reversed. These people pay money for season tickets. They would feel so much better if they saw a lot of good games and a lot of wins at home and if this team stunk on the road, which is how it normally goes in this sport. Normally, you have a team that can be really good at home. It stinks on the road and they don't get anywhere. This this is not normal. This situation where this team is pulled off as many good wins on the road the last two years. I mean, remember last year they had 25 road wins. They had the most road wins in the league since 2016 for any non-playoff team. It's frustrating. It, it is. Uh, in terms of the article, Mike, like I do want to say this too, like you, you, you with this fan, it was any fan base, whatever you question players, whether it's an immediate scrum after a game, after a practice in between games, you know, People will always criticize those asking the questions. Why are you asking such meat and potatoes questions? Why are you asking such cliche, same questions every time you get the cliche answer? So I appreciate you kind of putting that out there because it's different. It, it, it is something different to read about. It gives you a different look on the team, 
maybe a, maybe a glimpse into the room and maybe the mindset of what's going on in that locker room. So I really do appreciate it because um, I, I do know media just as a whole that you take a lot of criticism for asking softball questions. Well, you're one of the few guys that doesn't, and I always appreciate that about you. And that's why I'm always excited when we have any engagement and we have you on the show. So I do appreciate all the work you do, Mike. Thank you, guys. And just something fans have to remember. There are a lot of questions and a lot of conversations that take place they don't see. Not with the coach. You basically see everything, every interaction with the coach, you see all of it. That's all it is. But there's other stuff going on, conversations behind the scenes with players, with you know, with the GM at times who will come talk to us at practice with injury updates and whatever. You don't see that necessarily on camera all the time. So there's more. If you say, so a lot of times people say, well, how come you haven't asked this or that? Well, so a lot of times it's been asked. It's just you haven't seen it. Agreed. Um, again, thank you, Mike, so much for coming on. Always a pleasure. I hope we get to have you on one more time this season if, if you're open to it. Um, definitely, again, you know, you're – my, my, my last, my favorite episode of the season was the one we did with you. And I think this one might top it. So appreciate Thanks, you coming on. Appreciate it. Just All everybody right. brought Au revoir. Au revoir. That's right. Au revoir. Enjoy Montreal. If you get out there tonight at all, uh, enjoy your time out and enjoy the city. Um, and remember everybody that's been brought to you by Fatty Beer Company and Buffalo Go. You can check them out on Instagram and Twitter. I am Dwayne for Connor Hurley and Mike Harrington from Buffalo News. This has been episode 148 of Two Goalies, One Mike. We will talk to you later. See you around.
I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jag and Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.